0: Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to Vineyard Community Church. We're very glad you're with us as we continue on in a series we're doing called "Living Invitations." And um, what we've been saying, and uh, we've had a lot of little subseries along the way, and we'll have some more. Um, but in effect, it, that the church uh, is uh, the church is people, and it's us. We're the church. Um, We're the church when we're here, gathered corporately. When you leave, you're still the church. Church isn't something that you do. Church is something that you are. And um, because it's people, it's uh, ultimately about relationships. It's about our relationship with God. It's about our relationship with the people of God. And um, it's about our relationship with those who don't yet know Jesus. And these relationships are developed in the context of worship, discipleship, fellowship, and mission. And so far, um, we've been talking about mission. That's kind of where we started. We'll move into the other ones soon. Um, but we're going to take the next few weeks, another little subseries, and really dig into the verses that are the foundation for our particular mission here in the, at the Big Pine Vineyard. This little part of the church um, that happens to be here. So we're going to dig into that together. Oh, speaking of uh, mission and excited and all those things, we did a beach barbecue baptism today and uh, 21 people got baptized today out there. So that was a blast. It was very cool and we really enjoyed that. All right, that's the intro. Transition, always a bad joke or two. And since it's Fisherman's Blessing Weekend, uh, some fisherman type jokes. So what kind of music should you listen to while fishing? Something catchy. Da, 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 da. I have a couple of classic fish jokes Or sort of diver jokes So I thought I would share Some of you probably have heard them But maybe you haven't If you haven't been coming that long You might not have heard them So like why, why do you know When people go diving Why do divers always you know, fall backwards Out of the boat When they're going diving Because if they fell forward They'd still be in the boat That's a classic then this is the other classic that I use. What do you call a fish with no eyes? That's, that's really funny. Sorry. Okay. So then maybe this will be a new classic. So a guy calls his boss and says, I can't come to work today. And the boss says, why? And the guy says, it's my eyes. And the boss says, what's wrong with your eyes? And the guy says, I just can't see myself coming to work, so I'm going fishing. Okay. See, Scripture reading here on purpose 2 Corinthians chapter 5 Beginning in verse 11 Since then We know what it is to fear the Lord We try to persuade men What we are is plain to God And I hope it's also plain to your conscience We're not trying to commend ourselves to you again But are giving you an opportunity To take pride in us so that you can answer those Who take pride in what is seen Rather than what is in the heart If we're out of our mind it's for the sake of God. If we're in our right mind, it's for you. For Christ's love compels us because we're convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made Him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. Blessed be the word of the Lord. So in that passage of Scripture, I believe it, it is the foundation for our mission as a church. And you, you'll hear parts of that stuff all the time. Like I don't know if you ever knew this, but 2 Corinthians 5.21 um, you know, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us So that in him we might become the righteousness of God That's probably the foundational verse for everything And um, it's how we ended up with things like Be thankful for five things, encourage two people So we can get one lost child back to dad, Because that's 5, 2, 1 And the verse is 5, 21 And I'm always trying to do things to help people remember stuff That's important to us And so all those things are in there And, and you've heard those things if you've been here over and over and over again. You may not even be sure why they're there, but they're there because it's a foundation to what we do and why we do the things that we do. And so our mission statement, you've heard me say it every time you come to church. One more. I made it that way. We, we decided to make it that way so everybody could remember our mission. If anybody ever asks you what the mission at the vineyard is, it's one more. That's our mission statement. One more. Just one more. One more lost child back to dad, you know, is where we take it, but one more. If you're a fisherman, you probably can relate to that statement as well. Just one more. You've probably said it over and over again. Just one more cast. If it doesn't work this time, then we'll go. Just one more fish, and then we're going to head in. Just one more. Well, for us, it's, it, it defines what we do as a church. Um, I, I would say it's the it's the soul or the heartbeat of our church, this mission I mean, obviously Jesus is in charge But it's, it's, it's what sort of motivates us and moves us And helps us to know what we're supposed to do One more lost child back to dead One more in the kingdom One more to Jesus And, and so knowing that helps to keep us on track um, Because we can't do and be everything um, uh, And so, you know we can, when, when we're confident and comfortable in what we're supposed to be doing, then we can bless others in what God has them doing. And we, we can sort of rest in the fact that we're not in competition with other believers. Uh, our only competition is the evil one. That's it. And so we pray for and we bless things that others are, are doing, that are doing it for Him. Uh, and uh, you know, and, and doing their mission. And, and we get behind that. And we think that's a great thing. But Knowing what we're called to do allows us the freedom to go and do those things. And, and so everything that we do, we always we measure it by, um, well, is this, is this going to get someone into the kingdom? Is it good? Um, really, that's a great mission statement because it allows us to do a whole lot of stuff. That's uh, very cool. And we'll be talking about that in the weeks ahead, but um, that's what's behind what we do. So I want to break down some of these verses uh, in this uh, passage, and we'll talk... Um, about them over the next few weeks. We're going to look at verse 11 and 12 today, and we'll kind of start with that. So point number one in your notes is this. We know what it is to fear the Lord. We know what it is to fear the Lord. Beginning of 2 Corinthians 5:11. Since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. Now, that's an interesting statement, um, and, and we sort of can go in a lot of different ways with that. What does it mean to fear the Lord? Now, the, the word that's used in this, in this uh, verse here. Um, in, in the concept in the Greek does have a possible meaning um, of terror, but that's not what the Apostle Paul is talking about, that we need to live in, uh, you know, terror of the Lord. And in, actually in the Old Testament, uh, the Hebrew word that's used is, for fear is yireh, or Yaira, and it, it really denotes piety and reverence more than sort of an abject terror. Uh, And often when you're trying to understand a biblical concept, a biblical word, or a biblical idea, the best thing to do is look to the Bible to define it for you. And I I think that the best biblical definition of what it means to fear the Lord is found in Proverbs, and it's uh, Proverbs 8.13, and it says this, to fear the Lord is to hate evil. I think it's a great definition, it's what the Bible says about it, and it sort of, helps me connect with what does it mean to fear the Lord. And, um, you know, we talk here all the time about living by doing the next right thing, trying to do the next right thing, and I think that's sort of the same thing. We, we, uh, we, we want to love God by, um, you know, hating evil, by doing in our own lives the next right thing. And it's a reminder uh, to me all the time that the best way to deal with the darkness of evil is to be people that introduce light into the world. The light of Jesus. The light overcomes the darkness. And we're to let the world know that the true light has come into the world in Christ. It's part of being a living invitation and what that means. And so, so that's the idea behind you know what it means to fear the Lord. Then the Apostle Paul tells us that we're to try to persuade. That's point number two. We try to persuade. 2 Corinthians 5, 11, the second part. We try to persuade people. We try to persuade men. Um, We try to persuade others. And what we're trying to persuade them is is to turn from the darkness and into the light. We're trying to help them move from the the trap of the enemy um, and, and his little K kingdom into the kingdom of God, into the truth, into the light in the process. And we do that by sharing... Um, our persuasion comes through the gospel, through the good news. That's what we're, we're to use. The gospel is always at the heart uh, of everything that we do. And I like to teach you about where these verses are so that you can know them. It's another one of those things you should know. You know, there's things that I tell you you should have in your knower as a believer. And, and where the gospel is in the scripture, what the good news is, if somebody ever asks you, what's the gospel? Because it's important because it's a great tool for you as well. Um, to ask people what they think the gospel is. Because their answer quickly determines for you whether they're coming from the truth or not. It's all based on what they say the gospel is. So the gospel is found in 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 8. Gospel means good news. Apostle Paul writes this. Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel, or the good news I preach to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you believed in vain. For what I received I passed on to you as first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, and that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. And then He appeared to Peter, and then to the twelve, and after that He appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. And then He appeared to James, and then also to the apostles, and last of all, He appeared to me also as one abnormally born. So the heart of the gospel message, the good news, is found in 1 Corinthians 15, in particular verses 3 and 4. The heart of the gospel, the good news, the thing that people need to hear and respond to is that Christ died for our sins. He was buried and He was raised on the third day. That's the heart of it. That's the the message that changes lives. That's the message that rescues people. From darkness into light. Hearing that and responding to it in faith changes everything. That Christ died for our sins. That He was buried. He died. He actually was buried. And that He defeated death and He rose again. See, remember at the heart of it what's happened is all of us are separated from God because of our sin. Every person has sinned. And our sin separated us from a perfect holy God. We couldn't get back. Because once you're not perfect, you're not perfect. doesn't matter how good you are, it's not perfect anymore. And that's the requirement, and that's the standard. Our culture would like to tell us, oh, you just got to be a good person. But it's culture, it's not Bible. Um, and the reality is, we had an issue. So God came to us. Jesus came, fully God, fully man. Lived the perfect, sinless life. Then willingly went to the cross on our behalf, where He died for our sins... And he was buried, and then he defeated death and rose again. And when he did that, he made a way for us to be reconciled to God. That everyone who believes in that and receives that by faith then can be reconciled to God. And now all those neat things we talk about take place. God sees us through the perfection of his Son. And, and you're saved, and you know, another one of those things I want you to know in here, well, I'm justified, just as if I'd never sinned, and I'm being sanctified by the Holy Spirit, and I will be glorified when I'm with Him face to face, but that's what it means to be saved, and it comes at the heart of this message, this is the good news, I like to read those other verses, because of the, of the power of the witnesses, that people sometimes are trying to dismiss this whole gospel in a lot of ways, oh, he didn't really die, he just kind of just kind of fainted, and they revived Late That didn't happen. He died, um, and, and he defeated death, and he rose again, and people saw him. So, uh, so they just hid the body. No, they saw him. Hundreds of people saw him. There were hundreds of witnesses. Paul says, listen, at the time that I write this, and he was writing 20 or 30 years later, there's still hundreds of people alive that saw the resurrection. And if you have any questions, go and see them. Eyewitnesses, testimony, people that were alive when it happened. So that's all really important. So that's the gospel. That's the good news. Now, the trick is, or, or what we have to attempt to do is to take this message, which is an extremely countercultural message. Which our culture doesn't. We have to take it there in a way that's culturally relevant, so relevant so that they can they can receive it. That's what we have to do, and that's what this idea of persuasion is all about. Um, and so it's it's not just the words. Uh, of the message, it's the way that we bring it, it's the lifestyle that we live so that we can uh, in, in live our way into having opportunities to share this message with the world around us that's living invitations, that's what it means, that's what we're talking about throughout this thing, and so the reality is wherever we find people we're going to have the opportunity for ministry, uh, and and um, uh, When we connect with others, it's a radical intervention in life expressed in relationships. So you have to start seeing things that way. That every encounter you have with someone is an opportunity for ministry in the kingdom. So that none of them are taken lightly. So you know, I talk all the time about going to Winn-Dixie. That you don't just treat people like they're just getting you in and out of there. That every encounter has the possibility of being something if, if God's in it. Now, I'm not saying that every encounter is. I'm just saying you need to be open to those possibilities and don't just dismiss them because you just never know what might happen. And, and in all those things, we want to we point people to Jesus. Um, whether they're, they're, their circumstances are physical or material or relational or emotional or financial um, uh, or recreational, whatever, Jesus will always be at the center of our interactions with other folks. And that's how we have to live. And that's the life He calls us to in order to be persuasive. Third, we have to know, and I, I know I said this last week, but last week I said it's not all about me. This week I want to say it this way, it's not all about us. Point number three. It's not all about us. It's some about us. I'll throw the caveat in there, which is good. Which is really good. You know, um, when we were out at the baptism day, it was so cool. It was a big party. And, and so it was a great celebration for everybody that went. Not just those who were being baptized, but for everybody else. We sang, we worshipped, we hung out, we fellowshiped. How, how amazing is that stuff? That's good stuff. And, and so it's some about us. It's just not all about us. Verse 12, 2 Corinthians 5. We're not trying to commend ourselves to you again. So what we have to be aware of is, is to live in this world is that the world doesn't revolve around us. Sometimes the church has a tendency to live as though the world revolves around them and it doesn't. It revolves around Jesus. That's a little different. Uh, and and uh, and so we need to be aware of that so that our perspective comes from the throne room rather than from a very narrow perspective about everything impacts us and what it looks like there's always a much bigger picture that we can normally see and God is able to use situations that we can't even fathom to, to do amazing things and so at some times we need to be able to step back enough so that we don't get in, in the way of what God's trying to do where he's doing something amazing and all we see is the negative side of it because we can't get outside of our own little bubble. So we, you need to be willing to get throne room perspective on amazing events that he's involved in by just not letting it be all about you. He cares about you. You need to know about that. But it's not all about you. Philippians 2, 3, and 4. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests but also to the interests of others. So it's it's very normal for the church to sort of get in a circle the wagons mentality. It's pretty normal historically. Um, it feels like the safest way to sort of interact and survive in a fallen world on a broken planet. Like we'll get in and we're going to circle the wagons so that because those people out there they're crazy and uh, and we're in and we're less crazy. And so what we'll do is we'll just circle in and we'll huddle up and we'll keep safe in here because this is where we're going to be. And, you know, whatever, whatever goes on out there, well we'll just kind of hang out together until Jesus comes back and we're going to make it. And yet, Jesus calls us to hang out with the crazy people out there. And he went and did it. So, so we know that's what he did. That's, that's how he, he, he did, not just kind of whoop, circle in. He was, he was out there. And he hung out with people mostly who didn't even know him yet. You know, he had his guys around him, and so we need times of that. We'll talk about fellowship. We need all those things, but he spent a lot of time with people who didn't know him. And, and it's not that he didn't, he didn't join in the things they were doing, but he loved them in a non-judgmental way, that, that uh, they were drawn to him in the process. And he loved them. And, 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 and see, you know, they were, they were moved to be drawn into him and what he was doing because when Jesus looked at people, and you should know what I'm about to say, he always saw the beauty of their potential. Always. He always saw the beauty of their potential. Who they could be in Him. And that's how He related to them before it ever happened. I, I'm, whenever I think about that, I always think about how, um, you know, I can remember. So, so I didn't grow up as a believer. So, so when I started to find my way to Him, um, and it was a, you know, a process that probably started... 18, 19, and then, you know, I went, and then at 25, he, he, he wooed me back in, and we connected, and we've been connected since, Um, but, but I can remember in those times, in those encounters, looking back on them, and things that happened, that, that he, he was already treating me, not based on the mess that I was, but on who I could be in him, I, I just, I know that that's how he was relating to me. And, and so um, that's how we're to relate to people around us see God sees what's in the heart of people that's point number four and we got to ask him for those sort of eyes I told a joke about that guy earlier who had a problem with his eyes couldn't see himself going to work we got a problem with our eyes a lot of times that we can't see people the way that God does and, and we need to we need to ask him all the time God I just want to see people the way you do what do you see in those people I well, see sees the beauty of their potential it changes the way that you relate to people oh, it dramatically. 2 Corinthians 5:12. So you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than what is in the heart. 1 Samuel 16:7. The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So, you know, today sort of as we wrap this part up, that's the thing I'd have you think about. Can you look at people and see the beauty of their potential? Or when you look at people, do you have a tendency to only see their sin? And, and uh, we get there. We, 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 it's not a hard place to be, so I'm not picking on anybody. I'm just saying, if you, th- if you think that mostly you kind of judge people or label people by their sin when you see them, ask God to let you see them with His eyes and make that your prayer. So that when you see people, you just see people that need Him and who, who need to come and know Him. Uh, and we'll be talking about that over the next couple of weeks. So that's what we're going to do with that. So um, what I want to do, and keep the, keep the thing going, I want to bless any of the fishermen that are here. And I'll do it in two sort of ways, all right? So the first uh, group that I want to do are, are commercial fishermen. You make your livelihood on the water charter boat captains, mates, any of those sort of things. If you're here, why don't you stand up so I can pray for you? And you would say, that's me. That's how I make my... There you go. Good. All right, so I'm going to pray for you guys. Father, thank you so much for uh, these who who make their living on the sea, Lord. And and I ask, God, that your blessing would be upon them, that you would give them safety, that you would give them success. God, that, that each day as they go, they would be reminded of how awesome you are as they see your hand in the creation around them. And I pray that they would be blessed, that, that the equipment they use would, uh, would run well, and, and Lord, that the people that they work with, when that happens, would also be blessed and safe. And so I pray your blessing on them now, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you, guys. All right, now, anybody else who is a recreational fisherman, or you get out there and you snorkel or, and you dive, or you fish, or you go on the bridges and you fish, or you toss a line off the canal, or you eat fish, or... You know somebody or somebody, you know, smells like fish. I don't care, whatever. Stand up. I want to pray for you too. Father, I pray your blessing on everyone who enjoys this amazing creation that you've surrounded us with. And, Lord, as they go fishing, watch over and protect them. Lord, let them be be fruitful in the process and catch many fish and enjoy the bounty of that. I pray, God, that if they're out on the water, out on boats, that you would keep the boats running well and safely. And, and Lord, if they're under the water, that you would keep them safe there. And, God, that they would be able to enjoy you every time they go out and enjoy all that you've provided for us. So I pray your blessing on them now. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right, God bless you guys. You can sit down and... I think that's it. If you're watching my video, thanks for watching. God bless you. Come and visit us when you can. We'll see you. Uh, we'll see you soon. Prayer page is. The-